0: nearly everybody is affected so you don't have to worry
1: yeah. <laughs> after some time,
0: after some time you will find somebody
2: <laughs> Welcome to episode 63 of The Recovery Show This episode is brought to you by Harriet she used the donation button on our website thank you Harriet for your generous contribution This episode is for you We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Today we are going to talk about Tradition 3, which states, The relatives of alcoholics, when gathered together for mutual aid, may call themselves an Al-Anon family group, provided that, as a group, they have no other affiliation. The only requirement for membership is that there be a problem of alcoholism in a relative or friend. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of Tradition 3. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. Joining me today is co-host Wendy. How are you today, Wendy?
3: Hey, not too bad today.
2: All right. And uh, joining us by, uh, so to speak, tape delay uh, by via Skype from Germany is Ruth. Hello, Ruth. Uh, how, how is your day going?
0: Hello, Spencer. Uh, fine, thank you. And um, thank you for having me back on the show.
2: Oh, I always am um, grateful to have your your voice in your contribution. You always have a perspective that is different from mine
0: it may be um, also to uh, a different country we had a group conscious yesterday yesterday Friday is my home group day evening Uh and uh, we were speaking about uh, some things and uh, I became aware that Allemann Germany is in some ways uh, very different to what I know from the literature and reading and the podcast so it may be also, yeah, different Alanan culture, which is uh, speaking for me.
1: We
2: all bring our own lives, we bring our own culture, our own assumptions, our own ways of being with each other. And I have not spent very much time in Germany, but I am very aware that that uh, German society is different than American society in many ways. The first segment of today's episode of the Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic Tradition Three. Following a musical break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We will follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing with another musical break. Wendy found us a reading. What is this reading, Wendy?
3: Uh, this reading is from Courage to Change. And uh, I've looked at a few readings and, and they all spoke to me. But this one, for some reason, really resonated with me. Uh, here goes. It's from December 23rd from um, Courage to Change. I went to my first Al-Anon meeting because I wanted to show support for a close friend who was a member. To my surprise, I found myself identifying with almost everyone who shared. I couldn't understand it. I was positive that I didn't know any alcoholics. For weeks, I kept remembering what I'd heard in that meeting, and finally, timidly, I returned and I stayed. But I felt like an imposter every time I heard that third tradition, which states the only requirement for membership is that there be a problem of alcoholism in a relative or friend. This guilt made it almost impossible for me to share in meetings, but I kept coming back and slowly I began to feel better. It took me over a year to realize that I was actually the adult child of alcoholic parents. I am so grateful that I was given the time and support to come to this awareness when I was ready. Today's reminder, one of the signs that I have been affected by alcoholism is that I think I know what everyone else should do. As Al-Anon's 12 Steps and 12 Traditions explains, Tradition 3 speaks directly to those of us who mistakenly feel a newcomer should be rejected when actually he or she meets the qualifications or the condition for membership? I must decide for myself whether I fit the requirement for Allan membership. I will extend the same courtesy to others.
2: Oh, that is a great reading, <clears throat> and and I know so many people in the program who, when they first came, weren't weren't sure whether they belonged. And actually, um, I want to uh, give Ruth a chance to to talk here because she had some things to say. Um, particularly about this, where um, you know, if you have the feelings, but maybe you're not sure why you're there.
0: An incident happened which, uh, when I was uh, on a kind of uh, event where a self supporting group introduces themselves, and uh, we had the table with brochures there, mm-hmm. and one was for adult children with this question. Ah. And a woman uh, stand in front of me reading it and she just starting to cry,
1: mm. you
0: know, and it is, uh, what sometimes happen. If, if you, if you f- see your feelings or hear your feelings expressed. And, uh, it is also, we have a event here, um, this month, uh, in my town for, for, um, it's a public event. And, uh, we will talk about uh, children grown up in alcoholic families. And uh, this brochure says, um, sad, angry, desperate. And mm. it reminds me so much on my own experience. Maybe mm. you don't know that you have an alcohol problem because you do not know much about alcoholism and how alcohol affects your life. But if you have this feeling and you don't know why, then you can see Yes, uh, that this may be a possibility, and when you are able to name it, then you may be able to work on it.
2: So, Wendy, when you came into the program, as I recall, you knew you were dealing with alcoholism.
3: I did. I did. I, I was. Uh, I was in a relationship with an active alcoholic at the time, and I. I it was pretty bad at the time. Um, I came to learn later, though, how how much alcoholism or or just the the issue of alcoholism was in my life um, much more than just the 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 reason that I came there. I thought um, I think the, you know it brought up an interesting thing. You know, children of uh, alcoholic parents. Um, sometimes you don't know. You you go to one you you find yourself at a meeting and you may not feel that you fit, but then you just feel that you fit, but yet you can't put your finger on. Oh, it's because. Blah, blah, blah is an alcoholic or blah, blah, blah. You know, that, that's why that, that person brought me here. But alcoholism when I was growing up, I'm sorry, alcohol when I was growing up was, it was an issue. I don't believe my father was an alcoholic. In fact, I, I still don't believe my father was an alcoholic, but alcohol caused problems in my family dynamic. And that helped shape me. And the, you know, I've realized all kinds of things. Um, so it, it doesn't have to be active alcoholism that, that makes you qualified to, to be part of this program and and you not knowing, you not being able to point a finger at this is the person, this is the reason that I belong here. You can be kind to yourself. That's the wonderful thing about this program and, and see if you fit. You get to determine whether you fit. I don't get to say you don't fit here. You get to decide if you fit in the group.
2: that is That is so true. And- and actually, uh, when Ruth and I started out our conversation, I read the uh, Third Tradition in English, and then she read it in German, and we noticed an interesting difference in the wording. So let's, let's listen. Mm. In English, Tradition 3 says, The relatives of alcoholics, when gathered together for mutual aid, may call themselves an Al-Anon family group, provided that, as a group, they have no other affiliation. The only requirement for membership is that there be a problem of alcoholism in a relative or friend. How does it read in German?
0: Um, dritte Tradition: Wenn sich Angehörige von Alkoholikern zu gegenseitiger Hilfe versammeln, können sie sich als Non-Familiengruppen nennen. Vorausgesetzt, dass sie als Gruppe keine andere Bindung haben. Die einzige Voraussetzung für die Zugehörigkeit ist, dass bei einem Angehörigen oder Freund ein Alkoholproblem besteht. That was German.
2: Yes, I heard "alcohol problem" instead of "alcoholism." Is yeah. That, is that true? Is that a slightly different wording? Or am I just not hearing yeah, it? No, quite no,
0: no. Right? It is, uh, uh, you're right as I'm reading it now. It says uh, somebody who has a problem or that there is a problem with alcohol. Yeah.
2: And actually, for me, I prefer to read it that way because so often people come and say, you know, my my husband, my son, my daughter, my brother, my father, my mother, whoever, I think they drink too much. But I don't know if they're alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways that, that a friend of mine, uh, Mark, you know Mark, yes. Yes. Um, he will often start in a meeting by saying, hi, my name is Mark. I'm here because my thinking and my actions have been affected by other people's drinking. hmm so I will say that to somebody, you know, you don't, maybe you can't put this label alcoholic, or maybe you don't want to put this label alcoholic on your loved one, but if their drinking and their behavior from their drinking, or their behavior from their addiction is affecting you, then you belong here. Uh, Wendy, I think that, that just echoes what you were saying.
3: Absolutely.
2: Um, that uh, that you knew there was a problem with alcohol, but you didn 't necessarily want to call it or couldn 't necessarily call it alcoholism right right um, I was trying to remember when I was talking to Ruth yesterday <coughs> when I came in to the program, certainly before I came to Al-Anon, for years before I came to al and 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 I was not willing or able to label um, my wife as an alcoholic i just didn 't want that label uh it didn't didn 't fit. You know, my picture of, of alcoholics mm-hmm. didn't fit her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she started calling herself an alcoholic long before I did, uh, which is sort of interesting when I think about it. Uh, I knew there was a problem. I knew mm-hmm. she drank too much, but I didn't want, I didn't want that label. And that kind of, I guess that kind of fits with, with me. I don't like, um, you know, I don't want to know that something's wrong. I'd rather be able to pretend that it's still okay. So maybe maybe that's just my character defect mm-hmm. in action there. But, uh, you know, by the time I came to Al-Anon, I realized that whatever was going on with her, and and she was in an inpatient treatment program at that time, so maybe I had actually admitted that she was alcoholic by then, I don't know. But whatever uh, was going on, it was affecting me and that I needed help. And And so I I was dealing with a problem of drinking and maybe with a problem of alcoholism mm. in my head that I knew about. I mean, you know. There's the what's hap- actually happening, and there's what's what, right. I, what I'm well, willing to to say about it or admit about it. Um, now, in your case, so you you've got sort of a double whammy here. You've got the uh, the adult child, and um, you came in actually for um, uh, a, a close friend.
3: Right. Yes, my my now fiance, now but fiance. yes, <laughs> okay.
2: Um, and so uh, you have not had this situation that some people run into where. Uh, the alcoholic in my life is no longer in my life and i no longer have active drinking in my life well you do have you are there right uh, yeah yeah why am i still coming to al anon oh qualify, absolutely right? you know, oh yeah yeah you know? yeah
3: and, and 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 how does that work for you oh do do i still need al anon oh my goodness i i knew within a month i uh, take it back i knew Because I I went to Al-Anon, I left Al-Anon, I came back to Al-Anon. But after I really came back to Al-Anon, I knew within a month that I would be part of Al-Anon for the rest of my life. I really know that this is about me. And uh, uh, issues that came about because of alcohol were what brought me there. But this is about me, and this is about things that have you know, been growing in me my whole life and I, I'm not going to solve those within a year because, you know, my loved one got sober. Um, because it's not really about them. That's what brought me here, but it's about me. So I still have all those issues that I, I'm nowhere near done working on and don't see myself ever. And the other reason, do I still need it? Yes, because I need to be there to be of service to others as well. Mm-hmm. I, I was. Those others were there for me when I was desperate and I needed safety and there was no one else I could turn to. And that's what I love about this tradition is that's the only, that's the only thing, you know, a problem with alcohol brought you there. That, that's the only requirement. And, Mm -hmm. and so those others were there for me when I had nowhere else to go. So I want to be there for others, you know, however healthy I feel down the road, I still want to be there for others to, to be there like others were there for me.
2: You know, that is – I hadn't thought about that, but – and that's, that's sort of jumping way ahead to Tradition 12. But, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but it, that is true, that, that, that we give back what we got, or we give forward what we got, really, to use that expression, right, paying it mm-hmm. forward. Um, I'm reminded of this uh, sentence in the book How Al-Anon Works in the discussion of the first step. It says, Al-Anon does not promise that every alcoholic will get sober or that sobriety will solve our problems or fix our relationships. And, you know, that's certainly true for me. When, when my wife got sober, a lot of things got easier. There was a lot less chaos going on. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, a couple of different things. One is, of course, that our relationship was damaged by, by the drinking times um, and by my reactions to the drinking as well. Um, and I need the help of the program to repair that damage mm-hmm. because I did choose to stay. And the program helped me make that choice but also uh, realizing that I was really never very good at relationships. Um, maybe it's not a surprise that I picked damaged people that <laughs> mm-hmm. they were easier to uh, to have a relationship with or something because I could have a purpose. My purpose was to fix them. Mm-hmm. Um, Ruth talked about uh, when she first came into the program, um, how did she feel that she qualified? Uh,
0: for me, I could say, Maybe I was lucky that my loved one told me at a certain point in our relation uh, that he is an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Because um, I was, uh, I was, yeah, somehow hit him, button. So that I do not know what to do anymore. I was uh, bribing him to achieve something uh, so we can proceed with our life and. I was really serious about it. I said, I I won't eat anymore until you do this.
1: Oh.
0: And, yeah. Did that work? It was somehow. (laughs) Um, He knows that I was serious and Mm -hmm. that I was, uh, and I think it forced him to see that how desperate I was. And so he told me, "Um, sorry, I can't. I'm an alcoholic, and that's the reason why I can't do it. That's the reason why I yeah, don't behave as a normal person or you can't expect from me what you maybe have a right to expect. Hmm. And I didn't know that he was an alcoholic. I didn't even see him drinking. I didn't see alcohol in our life, but it was affecting me. And um, it affects me in a way that, uh, yeah, I got so sick that I really only wanted to die. Uh-huh. And uh, so there that was no question for me if I uh, qualify for the program. Yes. Uh, because he said, I'm an alcoholic and Al-Anon may help you.
2: Yeah. So uh, we all have different stories, but we all find um, we're all welcome. And I think uh, one of the big things that, that Tradition 3 tells us as members of Al-Anon and, and as a group is to be welcoming. Um, and, you know, that plays out, I think, in a, in a number of different ways. Um, and we talked about, you know, going to our first meeting, and about, did we feel welcome at our first mm-hmm. meeting? Uh, and uh, I wonder if you could reflect on ways in which maybe you personally, or you find that the meetings you go to are welcoming to, to people who are new to the program.
3: Um, Because my first meeting was so traumatic for me, and I I almost feel I wasn't ready for that first meeting, Um, but I got the welcome, uh, got such kindness that even though I wasn't ready at that moment to receive it, I reflected back on it later, and um, I think it's what brought me back, thank God. Um, But because of that, um, I and i i've only been in the the program it's going to be 2 years at the end of this month and um because of that i feel a special kinship to the new member i remember just how hard it was and how just that that little kindness made such a difference for me to come back um that i i try to be extra vigilant to be there for the new member. It's why I took on a, a a commitment for literature. so I would be there at the literature table after the meeting in case people were standing around or had questions about the books or the program. It's why i um I tried to uh, bring up a few times uh, about the way we were dealing with newcomers at my home group meeting um because I just wanted to I just wanted to make sure the group felt. We were handling it in the best way possible. Um, and even when we had nothing formal, we do now, but even when we had nothing formal, I tried to be that person. Um, f- because I, I knew. The sensitivity it took to be that person because you don't want to beat the newcomer over the head with it that 's going to send them running for the hills they're already so scared you know coming into that that situation, but on the other hand you you want to let them know they are welcome and and that you you personally are there if they have any questions or need any help
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah i I often try to sort of watch for for newcomers and not to maybe stereotype but there's often a certain look that mm. people who are coming in new have. Um, I might call it a deer in the headlights that that sort of, I don't know what's happening here, but you know somebody told me I need to be here or things are just so horrible. I'm going to give this thing a try or or whatever. Um, I did a couple of experiences this week. I was at, at one meeting and uh, a young woman came in after the meeting had already started. And sat down, and we were talking about whatever the topic that had been selected for the table. I don't remember exactly now. And at the in this meeting, usually everybody at the table gets a chance to share. Uh, and everybody, uh, everybody else had shared, and and somebody looked at her and said, "Do you want to? Do you want to say anything?" She said, "No." And then so we closed the meeting, and then I turned to her. She had been she had sat down next to me, and I turned to her. I said, "Is this your first meeting?" And she said, yes. Mm. <laughs> and I said, well, I said, please come back next week. And I went and got her a literature packet um, and said, here's some things to read. And, and, and come back next week and, and we'll, we'll welcome you more formally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I hope she does. We'll see.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and then uh, just yesterday I was at a meeting and there was a newcomer. And at the end of uh, – and, and we knew she was a newcomer. And, and this meeting does a first step table when there's a newcomer. And I was at that table. And at the end of of everybody else having shared around the table, she spoke up and and she said, "I was told I would find people like me, people that I could identify with here, and that has been so true um and Then she told us a little bit of her story and why she was there and uh you know and it it just really echoed my experience at my first meeting of of knowing that people there just understood mm-hmm um and uh, whether you do a formal, you know, first step welcome or not, um, I got that. I got that understanding that the people there understood. Um, I want to come back to to Ruth here, and we're actually going to um, go back a little bit chronologically here because um, she talked about a period of time when uh, her the alcoholic that had brought her to the program they they uh, split up, and um, after a while she stopped going to meetings. It was. So now I got this thing. I don't need this anymore. There's no alcohol left in my life, and uh, you know. And she moved to a new city, and so there's a good excuse to not go to meetings and so on. And but then she got in a new relationship.
0: I met uh, I met a new man, and surprise, surprise, he was a multi drug user. Oh. <laughs> and <laughs> but uh, I didn't uh, went to meetings anymore. But I got, but I got the literature. And then I thought, yeah, but now I know how to handle it. It right. don't have to affect my life. But I did only half of the program, I would say. Mm-hmm. I white-knuckled letting go. White-knuckled you know, letting go. <laughs> I forced myself not to count um, the amount of alcohol we drinks, not to smell uh, the pot and, and whatever. And I said, my life will be fine, my life will be fine.
2: Well, and then she went on, and, and they, they split up eventually, um, I think partly because she, the white-knuckling just was getting mm, too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story continues as it does for most of us.
0: And then I met my next alcoholic. And I wasn't really aware of it. It went for half a year, and then I heard this uh, a song. You know, I um, you played it in one of the previous shows. It was from Soko.
2: Oh yes, you um, recommended that one to us.
0: Yeah, and um, I heard the sentence. Um, it was, yeah, if for someone your drug is more is more important than you are. Yeah, and it just hit you know, And I I see that I was just running into the same thing, you know, again. Yes, and very very quickly. And you know, I, I had uh, I wanted to achieve some things from myself, and uh, I, I thought that some things were right I wanted to do. And as soon as I met this man, everything you know wasn't important anymore. I was just willing to um, uh, put my life in a direction that would just to comply to his wishes. And I, I get I get sick, I get hurt, whatever. And it went so quickly. Yes. And um then <laughs> I came back to Alanon. <laughs> I'm I'm back to the rooms and I'm I'm very grateful and I'm uh you know you are you are just welcomed. Nobody says, ah you are not new or anything, but you are welcomed. If you want to come you can come. And nobody's blaming you for being out, I would say.
2: And I love that expression, out.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> you
1: know? I
2: mean, I, I've heard that expression used for for alcoholics. Oh, he went back out. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I don't know if I've heard it uh, applied to to anons who've been in the program for a while and then and then sort of say, oh well, I don't need this. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you Have you heard that? I mean,
3: I haven't either, but I like it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and you did have that experience. Oh, I absolutely uh, did. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I, she She mentioned something that. Um, that I was thinking about in, in regards to to this tradition. And um, in fact, what was in the reading as well, um, the person going there, not sure that they qualified, not sure they really fit. And so should they be there? Are they an imposter? And so many people, I think, come to Al-Anon because they, there is a problem of addiction in their lives, but they may not feel that they fit because it may not be alcohol it could be you know some other drug mm-hmm. i i've met people in the elanon rooms that um uh their partners had problems with sex addiction um and uh it's really interesting it's it, it's really interesting in light of this tradition um how how we handle that i i i imagine it's probably different in every community i believe in our community we welcome people that you know are, are there because of se- sexual addictions we welcome people there that are are there because of you know narcotic addictions or things like that um and i i like that we do because the the addiction that brought that 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 caused problems in you the reason you're there in anon is because of the problems with you and I, I, think those, those are pretty universal mm-hmm. that we don't have to have the same story. I mean, I, I remember I struggled at my first meeting because nobody else in the room had somebody with an active, active alcoholic. And so I thought, Oh, I don't fit. They're all, pe- <laughs> you know, Oh, the, this, the on is for people who are, all their people are better, you know, so I don't fit. You know, no, we all have individual different stories we just share that one thing that that addiction caused problems in our lives and be- yeah. our lives became unmanageable so i have no problem with it i know in other communities it may be different from meeting to meeting it may be different but i i know i share a common kinship with those people that you know possibly a narcotic addiction brought right. them there yep. or what have you
2: yeah and you know i've got i've got that same feeling that uh, really the effect of the addiction on us is pretty much the same, whether it's a substance or a behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, I remember sitting in um, a treatment center in a, in a group therapy, family and friends thing, and the therapist telling a guy who was back, who had been there earlier for whatever his earlier drug of choice was, and he was back because he had, Gotten, uh, addict, gotten himself, uh, you know, in the same boat with alcohol, and uh, I think he had a sign. This was one of these places where they, you know, they would make you carry a rock if you had shame until you get rid of mm, your shame, you mm-hmm. can put the rock down. And mm-hmm. and I think he had a sign that said, "Alcohol is a drug too." Uh, you know, <laughs> that's sort of the opposite, But right, um, right. I know that I know also that like AA struggles with this. Mm, um, mm-hmm. That you know, and and there, it's, it, to me, it's a little clearer there um, because they have to deal with the actual drug. Right. Um, And for people who, um, you know, for people who maybe their loved one's drug of choice is an opiate, I think that there is probably some value. I'm sure there's some value in meeting with people who, um, you know, are dealing with the same problem because there are aspects of the addiction that are specific to... The mm. substance, whether it's opiates or methamphetamine or pot or right. or alcohol, but once we get past that, it's you know for Ellenon, I mean, it's all the same. Exactly is <laughs> my opinion anyway. Um, and uh, you know, I, I chatted with Ruth a little bit about this too, and and about um, how this tradition, although it says the only requirement for membership is a problem of alcohol, the the writing, uh, the reading in the book uh, exhorts us not to judge each other, mm-hmm. but to only be able to judge for ourselves whether we belong or not. And and Ruth had this to say.
0: Yeah, I'm not very good at not judging. It's one, <laughs> of, my, <laughs> one of my character defects, I have to say. And I'm so quick with it that I had, uh, now I'm using a tool. Uh, when I, I notice that I'm judging somebody, I um, quickly find something I can identify with. So I say, uh, uh, this, uh, person is selfish and they think, oh, they have also a need for, uh, recognition or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I feel, uh, in the same place with a person, something like, uh, yeah, making up for. And, uh, yeah, but I think, um, I would welcome anybody to a meeting who respects the Alanon tradition and uh of anonymity and um let what it is said in the room because often um yeah if people can hear what other people express uh then they can maybe see where are uh, where they have similar uh, feelings and yeah I find I find a way to recognize alcoholism or whatever affects them and uh, um I find also a way to the program yes. and remind it reminds me that for my very first meeting my it was Allen uh, on friend, but somehow also a sponsor um her loved one uh, was a uh, um heroin addict mm-hmm. and not an uh, alcohol addict but it doesn't make any difference uh, what it was. So sometimes I struggle a little bit uh, with uh, the word alcohol because I think it is... um Um, For one hand, I think there are so many people with alcohol problems or alcoholics (laughs) that nearly everybody is affected, so you don't have to worry. (laughs) After some some time, you will find somebody, some relative.
2: That is true.
0: But um, I think if you have this feeling, if you have this feeling of being sad, angry, desperate, and the program speaks to you and the sharing of the people speaks to you then you are right here
2: yes and it reminded me of the um it's not a slogan but it's something that i've i've definitely heard people say this to identify not compare mm
1: mm-hmm. and
2: what she said about um when she's starting to judge somebody she looks for some way that she can identify with them some similarity that they have And then that makes it uh, easier for her to suspend her judgment and easier for her to hear what that person's saying. Um, And, uh, you know, it's something, it's certainly, that is something that I I continue to struggle with. Um, uh, I'm human, I guess, and Mm -hmm. I often prejudge people based on what they look like, based on how they speak, uh, based on... um, how they sit in their chair I mean, you know? <laughs> right right, um, and then they start talking, and if I let that that prejudgment that that prejudice, uh, same word, if I let that get in the way, I may not hear what they have to say, and I may miss something that was important for me to hear, and so you know, this tradition reminds me about that, uh, you have any thoughts on what Ruth had to
1: say
3: i do i uh it's It was something that I uh I, like you said we're we're human. It's something that I struggled with as well, um until I really became aware that my higher power doesn't speak directly to me in my head. The way I hear my higher power's will is ninety percent of the time through other people through what other people say is usually where I hear my higher power. Sometimes I get it in the readings as well, but it's usually what someone else will say. And so if I'm prejudging this person who's in the room, I may be tuning out what they're saying. I may be somehow filtering out what they say because I've somehow judged them. And my higher power may be speaking to me through them. You know, it reminds me of the, that that song. You know, what if God were one of us? Oh, geez, you know? yeah. I mean, it just it just it totally makes me think that that I I don't want to, regardless of who they are and what they are and how I might feel about them outside of that room. In that room whatever they say is their truth and that may be my truth and that may be my higher power trying to speak to me so i i really try to remember that anytime i catch myself being judgmental or or prejudging um anyone in, you know in that i run into in in the community um it also um it also made me think of something else though um while we want to be welcoming um, we also have to I have to guard against being thinking that Al-Anon is perfect for everyone. Reg- you know, every single person on the street. Ooh, you need Al-Anon too, because it's helped me, so it will help you, and you need help.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you need help. <laughs> I mean,
3: but that that's that that's something that while we want to be welcoming and inclusive, we also, you also have to guard against that too, because it, you want to f- people to feel safe in that meeting. And so you yeah. want that commonality to brought to have brought us to that room. And you can't just have everybody from the street coming into the meeting because they a if if they don't share that commonality with us, they won't get out of it what I got out of it in the first place. And the second place is then then it doesn't become about it. it's primary purpose yeah. which is that's why that tradition is there to be welcoming but to also keep us as a community keep us together keep yeah us exactly
2: yeah and and we haven't we haven't talked about that we've kind of talked around it about well you know what if what if you don't know there's any alcoholics or what if you can't call your friend an alcoholic or what if it's drugs but you're right i mean there is a common purpose that that we need to be there for and and this tradition and also tradition 5 which we'll talk about in a couple months uh, which is the one about uh, you know singleness of purpose? Mm-hmm. Uh, primary purpose is to uh, help families of alcoholics or whatever, and uh, they help to keep us focused. Um, I was listening to. I'm going to shift gears a little bit here, um, from how this tradition works in a meeting to how this tradition might work in our lives. I was listening to a uh, a speaker talk uh, the other day, and this guy was speaking from an AA perspective, but a lot of it applied directly to me uh, about how he uses the traditions in his relationships whether it's a family relationship or a business relationship or um, in a couple of examples uh, an amends relationship um, and when he got to tradition three he said and, and I, I thought this was a really nice uh, abbreviation if you will uh, he said and the short form of that is we don't judge motives hmm and I thought, okay, I can I can kind of see that. I can see how that applies to you know somebody coming into the meeting, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I may may question why you're here, but if you're here for the for the purpose of recovering from the effect of somebody else's drinking or, or addiction on you, then you know I don't have any, and I can't know from looking at you. I can't know by looking at you right. what you're here for. Um, he said, we don't judge motives, and he went on to talk about a couple of circumstances in his life where had he went with what he thought the other person was going to think or say or do, um, he would have missed uh, a really uh, important experience and he would have missed out on on some real recovery and and I thought you know this is this is something that I can really apply in in all areas of my life and it again it comes down to this sort of judgment prejudgment um, I know what you're going to say, so you don't need to bother to say it kind of thing, uh, which,
1: mm, yeah, I do. Okay. (laughs) Um,
2: You know, I'm I'm one of these people that less often than I used to be, thank God, but I still do it occasionally, especially with those who are really close to me, like like my wife. Um, I will try to finish their sentence with what I think they're going to say, and if that's not what they're actually going to say, then we maybe talk over each other or... I get yelled at, or <laughs> I just get embarrassed, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, like I say, my, my higher power gives me lots of opportunities to recognize the pain that my character defects cause so that I can become entirely ready to have them removed. <laughs> um, but that is, that is one that, that I have to work on. And, and I hadn't really thought about using the third tradition in that way, um, to, uh, to not, not judge motives, to mm-hmm. not assume motivation. Um, do you um, have any thoughts on how you use Tradition 3 outside of your meetings, or you could use Tradition 3 outside of your it, meetings?
3: It's interesting, because I don't know that I labeled it as such, but it's definitely something to keep in mind. It, it recently caused um, some uncomfortableness in my own life, um, where I, I, thought someone, um, I thought someone was drinking. I really did. I, th- I thought that they were drinking and, um, all my, I I was able, I, I, because I had that singularity of, of purpose that that's what had happened. I'm, I'm using all these little things here and there to kind of back it up to, Oh, yep. They're definitely drinking. Look at this and look, Oh, they did this. Oh yeah. They're drinking. And Oh, they said that. Oh, well, yeah, they're drinking. And, uh, and they weren't, they were not drinking at all, but I, I, Lost a, I don't know, a week with this person basically because I didn't, I wasn't relating with them. I was relating to this thing that I'd made up in my head. And had I not judged, had I I not judged that purpose, had I not, had I really got to the root of what was there, then I would have realized A, they weren't drinking and B, all that other stuff. Probably didn't need to happen. I had a whole week of uncomfortable feelings that didn't need to happen that could have been solved by yeah. having the conversation that had that finally happened after a week. You know? And <laughs> how did and, that
2: conversation go? I mean, how did how
3: did it come up? When oh, I, I I finally point blank said, you know, have you been drinking? Ah. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't beat her on the boys. Yeah. I just said, you know, I, I'm I'm really concerned with the way things have been going and, and have you been drinking? And um, they said no. And and, and I could – and, and it, it's so funny because the old adage, you know, how do you know an alcoholic is lying? Their mouths are moving. You know, their lips are moving. Yeah. Um, but yet I knew. I knew the moment that he said no, that there was honesty there. Mm-hmm. There, there was no – it, it, it was just pure honesty, and 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 we went on to you know further talk about things and 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 why some of the the behaviors had maybe mimicked back when he was mm-hmm. drinking. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, it, it's I could have had that conversation a week before, but but you know I I knew why someone came to the relationship. I knew why someone came to the meeting. I knew why that yeah. person was reacting yeah. the way they were reacting, and
2: yeah. Oh, that's that is that's a perfect example. It's mm-hmm. an absolutely perfect mm-hmm. example. <laughs> oh my. And not only not only did you, you know, screw up a, a week of relationship with the person, but you you really destroyed your serenity for that week.
3: Oh, absolutely. Uh,
2: and uh that's too valuable for me. I have to, you know, work work the principles of the program to help me keep that serenity that I need to have. Well, I asked um I asked Ruth if she had final thoughts about uh, tradition three, and and of course, she did.
0: I prepared myself a little bit by reading into uh, Paths to Recovery, I think it is uh, in yes. English. Yes. And um, I found something which I think is very profound, which uh, reminds me sometimes, you know, people are coming and say, Ah, is it here the so alcohol counseling? Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I have to say, we do not really do counseling you know
1: yes
0: and and i can see their pain and they are leaving and they are not coming back and then sometimes i i feel really sad you know for a moment yes and this morning i read something and sometimes it needs uh, a certain time so so you keep the uh, words in your mind and it says I don't know and it's not a program for the people who need it, it's a program for people who want it. True. And that gives me some reliefs. I think we are we are here and uh we have open arms and we love you in a way. Uh we love you when you not love yourself, but you yes. have to want it. You have to be willing, you have to bring your body and your willingness. And um, that helps me with that. And that also helps me with letting people go who are leaving. I do always uh, try to be a friendly person and I offer my phone number. And uh, mostly people do not call. And so I let it go. And uh, yeah, but everybody who wants it, I'm here to help you with. Thank
2: you. Yeah, thank you for that, and uh, and thank you for your time today.
0: Ah, oh, you're welcome.
2: And and I don't think were you you're looking in the book there. Did you find that um, same discussion in the English Nuh-uh. book? No, no. That's interesting. <laughs> um, but you know, it's a really good point. Mm, oh, absolutely, it's a really good point. I was in a meeting once um, uh, a few years ago, and there was. The meeting was in a small room so we only ever had a single table even when there were 20 people got very crowded sometimes and we had the tradition in that meeting of doing a first step when there was a newcomer and there was a period of time when we were getting a lot of newcomers mm. and so we were doing a first step not every week but maybe every other week and and finally one of the um, one of the members of the meeting who was a a, sort of a curmudgeonly fellow to start. Uh, Said, you know, I think we ought to do the first tradition when they come back for their second meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Because so many of these people never come back. (laughs) Um, And and we said, thank you for your opinion. (laughs) Uh, I mean, we did talk about it. And actually, I think we were very close at that point to moving to a new location that was going to be larger and we could split up and and that's what we do now. And now you have a choice. You can be at the first mm-hmm. step table or not if there's a newcomer. But what she said about this reading that she found that says, you know, Al-Anon is a program for people who want it, um, reminds me that I can't, I can't make somebody stay. And, and again, I may be judging. Like, oh, yes, you really, you really need this program. <laughs> you, really, you really need to stay here. Uh, and it really is their decision whether to stay or not but if we don't if we're not welcoming if we're not expressing what the program is are we then also not giving them a fair chance to decide whether this is something that they want mm-hmm. um, and and uh, i think that's um, you know that's something to for me to to keep in my head too when i like well you know this person me when i see a person not come back i i tend to be sad like oh man this person really like sounded like they really needed to be here and they left Mm -hmm. and what may happen is years later i'll go to a different meeting and there they are they just you know didn't click with that particular meeting that they came to first right and we said hey there's lots of other meetings go try other meetings you'll find some you like and maybe they decided they liked that other one better Mm -hmm. okay and that's okay too
3: Actually, that was, that's my story. That's exactly what I did. I went to my first meeting and, and I didn't go back for a variety of reasons. Um, but I did. I, I tried other meetings and found another few meetings that just clicked more with me. And, uh, so I, I bet I ended up finally going back to that meeting after a number of months, almost a year. Um, but yeah, I'm sure some of those people felt the same way because I, didn't see them at some of the, a lot of the other meetings that I went to. So I think they, they kind of continually go to that same meeting and um, I'm sure they probably thought the same thing about me. Oh my gosh, that girl, she was crying her eyes out. She needed us and she just, you know, went away and I did go away for a little, but, but I did, I came back. And so I just didn't go back there. So you never know, just like you said, just because somebody, you know, didn't, you don't see them at your meeting the next week doesn't mean that they are totally out yeah. Yeah, at least, like at least no. not in our community <laughs> where out. there's how
2: many meetings are there every week in in
1: oh,
3: Holy moly. A wonderful amount. Yeah. Uh, a wonderful I mean, plethora. On average there's
2: definitely more than one every day. Oh yeah. I mean there are some days where it's it's a little hard to to find a meeting. Um like Saturday there's a morning meeting that I know of. I don't think there are any evening meetings on Saturday for example. Mhm. Um That's- used to be Thursday was a tough day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I found a Thursday meeting I like, so when I need a meeting on Thursday, I, I have a place to go now. <laughs> uh, okay, um, well, wow, Tradition 3, uh, a really, really great tradition. And I want to take a break now, and after the break we'll continue with Our Lives in Recovery, where we talk about the meetings we attend and about what's happening in our lives with a, a recovery lens, if you will. Um, And, man, I'm really tempted to throw in that Joan Osborne song, what if God were one of us. (laughs) Uh, But I'm going to go with the one I planned. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a band that, you know, it's not one of my favorite bands, but this song um, really struck me as being um, expressive of inclusion and expressive of finding a place where we belong, because the title of the song is Somewhere I Belong. It's by Linkin Park. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week. And I didn't give you a chance to say if you wanted to go first or second.
3: Oh, I'll go second. (laughs) Always. (laughs) Always. (laughs) All right.
2: (laughs) So yeah, um, my week, my week. You know, my home group meets on Wednesday, and I think I've missed the last three for various reasons. Um, Some good, some not so good, but um, this week, I had um, an opportunity to attend a seminar uh, related to work uh, that was about a topic that is sort of hot in in our work right now and so I chose to go to that and as and consequence I, I couldn't go to couldn't go to my Wednesday night meeting. I did um, have a meeting on Sunday um, where we talked about the reading of the day, which I don't remember what it was. Um, (laughs) um, But there was, I do remember there was a lot of, there was a lot of good sharing. Um, And uh, actually the, the day before um, we had a first step table. (laughs) I've had had a bunch of first step tables. Actually I think the last three meetings I've been to have been first step tables. Uh, And uh, the, the the person who was new to the program was, uh, had talked about, um, being there for uh, their adult child, and uh, so when when my time came to share, I talked some about the experience I had with um, my son. had a you know a psychiatric incident uh, a couple of years ago, and I had to go support him while he uh, dealt with the consequences of his actions. and and I, and I talked about the difference between supporting and controlling and helping helping quote helping end quote um, and, and how Alanon had, had really helped me to know, understand that difference. And after the meeting, another person in the meeting came up and said, we need to talk. Mm. We need to talk because your experience with your son sounds so much like my experience with my son recently. Mm. Um, and then it turns out they both have the same name.
1: Oh, and they're both <laughs>
2: at the time, like in the same year of college. Mm. And I said, Yeah, okay, <laughs> I think we need to talk just to, you know, <laughs> sort of share our common experience. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was neat. And, you know, that, that sort of thing happens. You, you find this commonality with somebody that you didn't know you had anything in common with. Uh, it happens more often than not. Hey, there's tradition three coming back for us. Huh? <laughs> um, and yesterday, um, again, uh, normally a step meeting, uh, there was this, a newcomer, I was sitting at the first step table, which I just view that as a sign from my higher power that that's what I need to do, rather than talk about step 11, <laughs> which would have been the step, or step four, which is they, they do a fourth step table the first Saturday of every month. Mm. Um, they're working their way slowly through the blueprint for progress, one or two questions every Saturday. Um, so I I figured, well, that's the table I'm supposed to be at, so so I stayed and uh, again the first person who shared I was like wow you're living inside my head <laughs> you're you know that their experience coming into the program sounded so like so much like where I was at least mentally and and very similar situation mm-hmm. um, when I came into the program um, and and it's just it's so neat um, it makes, makes me know that yes I do belong I know I belong <laughs> no question about it um The rest of the week has been... Ah, on Friday, uh, my daughter uh, took the train over here from where she's at college. Uh, She's actually going to a workshop in Detroit this weekend. Uh, It's called Contact Improv, which I think is sort of improvisational combat. Um, I I need to get that clarified. She's explained it to me before, and I just... (laughs) I have this sort of picture in my head, but um, the words go away. Uh, And So she takes the train, and taking the train is an exercise in acceptance. Um, I mean, taking any kind of public transport (laughs) is an exercise in acceptance, but particularly in the winter and particularly in this particular Amtrak line, they they tend to – they're often late. I won't say tend to, but they're often late. And she was a couple hours late getting into Toledo, which is an hour away from Ann Arbor. And then there's a bus that takes about two or two and a half hours to go to – Detroit and Dearborn, and I don't know where else to drop people off. And so she texted me and said, "Okay, we're finally here, but the bus is broke. They're going to have to bring a new bus. It's going to take an hour." So you know, and she was she was like, "This is what it is. Mm. I've done this. I've done this train before. I know this is this is what it is." And I thought, you know, I could come down. I could drive down to Toledo and pick her up. I mean, you know, I didn't have anything particular I needed to do at work, and my job is a job where um, I have to get a certain amount of work done um, not necessarily have my button in a chair for mm-hmm. a certain amount of time and God knows there are times when I'm there for hours in the evening so I figure it balances out <laughs> so I said okay I'll drive down and get you and that was very nice because then we had um, an hour in the car driving back up uh, to just talk about stuff and talk about um, you know what's going on in her life and um, you know maybe I imparted a little bit of ele on uh, she's she she's got some issues with the people that She's living in a, in a house that has a lot of people, and there are issues with some of those people, and and she's trying to deal with them. And uh, you know, we talked a little bit about that. We talked about her views of society that are being colored by this um, uh, anthropology course she's taking, and you know, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. And you know, the uh, we have the slogan, you know, how important is it? And and I can turn that around and 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 ask, you know, what is important? Mm. And I feel like that I got this the message there that what was important was to to spend some time with my daughter, and that taking a couple hours off of work to do that was the right thing to do and and you know grateful that I have a job where I can do that mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that was my week. How was your week
3: um went to my home group meeting, which meets on friday um the shears were about a reading uh the reading from um Courage to Change I'd read it in the morning um kind of thought about it for a few seconds and that was it just didn't really get anything Life changing out of it by any means. Sat back in the meeting, it's just so funny how that happens. Because I try to read it every day, and in the morning I'll read it. Sometimes I get great stuff out of it. Sometimes, eh, not so much. And then I'll hear it again at night, or I'll hear not only just hear it, but then someone share about it, and oh, just light bulbs just going off. Ding, 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 ding. I'd been feeling for the past week, maybe even two weeks. I'd just been feeling just not myself. Just some kind of malaise. I don't know. And I, I just chalked it up to, you know, the winter blues. We've had a very long winter, it seems like, this year. And, uh, really? so, yeah. you say. <laughs> As I look out at the new snow again oh, today. Yeah, about five um, inches this morning. <laughs> but, um, I just, I just didn't feel comfortable in my skin and there was nothing big going wrong. I mean, I couldn't pinpoint anything. So I just kind of chalked it up to, eh, it's the winter blues. But the, the, topic of the um, the Daily Shares were was about your higher power and remembering to not only just turn the big things over to your higher power, but turning little things over to your higher power as well. And I just thought, oh my goodness. Yeah, there have been a few things that have come up in the last few weeks that I, you know, asked for help for my higher power. But basically, that was it. My higher power, my, any kind of meditation, any kind of spirituality was just out the door for me these past few weeks. And I'm like, that's it. I really think that's what was missing. And so, um, that was just a great revelation to, um, and heck, if it's not, it can't hurt. So <laughs> so that's what I'm trying differently ever since the meeting is to to get back to some of those practices of spirituality and and and, you know, remembering to to keep my higher power involved throughout my life, not just in times of desperate struggle. um the um the other things in my life in regards to recovery was I met with my sponsor, and I've really been struggling getting through the blueprint um. For my fourth step. And I think even to some point, it's keeping me from doing my fourth step. And so I've really been struggling with it and um, had a great meeting with my sponsor about just some other ways to look at it, other ways to handle it, um, other, other formats. If I truly find that that format is keeping me from doing my fourth step, I don't have to use it. I don't have to do the blueprint or I don't have to do it now. I can do the blueprint later and do the fourth step a different way now. It just, it was just a great, just back and forth conversation with my sponsor in regards to, um, uh, you know, where I am. And it also reminded me, because I hadn't spoken with my sponsor in, in a while, I, I tend to only use her in times of crisis and kind of like my higher power. Hmm, what, what is this theme I'm seeing here? But um, it, it reminded me that I, I like to touch base with my sponsor. And I, I'd like to do it more often, because even if I'm not in crisis, it's good for me to reflect back on what's been going on, and to see places where I've grown. If you know, not that, oh, I'm struggling with this, how do I get through it? But Oh wow! Look how I used the program in these, you know. And she'll she'll recognize things and bring it to my attention. And it's good just for to keep a, you know a pulse on how I am doing in recovery. So, really, really, really enjoyed that uh, meeting I had with my sponsor and a mm. good reminder to do it more often. Yeah.
2: <laughs> ain't that the truth? Okay, um, so next week, next week. Uh, I want to talk about um, a topic that was actually spurred by uh, the sermon I heard at church this morning, which is about hope, Hmm. about uh, hope as a spiritual practice was the sermon. And she related this um, story about um, a cancer surgeon recommending to the patient's family that they adopt uh, or cultivate a hopeful attitude rather than an optimistic attitude. And so now you might ask yourself, well, what's the difference between hope and optimism? And does it have anything to do with expectations? <laughs> and how can we have hope in what seems like a hopeless situation? So think about that and uh, mm-hmm. let us know what you think. Uh, we welcome your thoughts. You can join the conversation. Absolutely. Please leave us a voicemail or send us an email with your experience or questions about hope. And, uh, Wendy, how can people send us feedback?
3: Uh, You can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can call right now to that number. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. Or if you prefer not to use your voice, you can send us an email. And email us at feedback at com, And we'd love to hear from you. You know, share your experience, strength, and hope. Your questions about today's topic of tradition three, next topic of hope, which is really intriguing to me. Um, or if you have a topic that you want to talk about in the future, just let us know.
2: And if you want to know everything there is to know about the uh, the Recovery Show, you can go to our website, which is therecoveryshow.com. dot com. Um, you might wonder which came first, the name of the website or the name of the show, and uh, I'll let you wonder that. Ha. <laughs> Uh, the chicken or the egg. Yes. Um, we have uh, information about uh, the show. We have uh, notes for each episode. We have a blog with meditations. We have links to the music we play. I will throw a link to the Joan Osborne song in there um, uh, on the, on the show notes for this episode, because it's, I don't know, it, it, it hit me at a per- particular time in my life. And and so I have fond memories of it, I guess. Um, and uh yeah there there are also ways to contribute to the content of the podcast um, and the website on the website. You can leave comments. We have a list of suggested topics. Uh, if you see a topic you want us to talk about and it's not there, let us know and because uh, we get a lot of topic ideas from from your emails or from your suggestions. And uh, also uh, really like to uh, encourage anybody who who wants to to contribute a guest meditation. It's really pretty easy. Just take a look at what we've got there and and uh, sort of like a share in a meeting. Really is what it's like, uh, and you've done that before, so you can do this. Mm-hmm. If you want to literally join the conversation, uh, consider being a guest host by phone or Skype or Google Hangout, just like Ruth did today. And you can do it, you know, live while we're recording, or you can do it ahead of time, like like Ruth did, uh, sort of in a in a more of an interview format. And just email to us at feedback at the dot if you're interested in that. Next song before we listen to your uh, voice mails, emails, or other comments, is a song titled "We Belong" by Pat Benatar. And again, this is you know it's obviously it's a song about uh, belonging, and uh, I pulled some lyrics here um, that spoke to me sort of of uh, my experience um, coming into uh, coming into Al-Anon and identifying with the feelings that I've I heard there. Uh, the lyrics are, many times I've tried to tell you, many times I've cried alone. Always I'm surprised how well you cut my feelings to the bone.
1: Many times I tried to tell you, many times I cried alone. Always I'm surprised how well you cut my feelings to the bone.
2: Several emails for the, uh, the Changed Attitudes episode. Scotty uh, wrote in, he said, Before program, I looked at days like this. Only June 21st was a happy day. It was the longest day and, therefore, the best. All the rest had less sunlight than summer solstice, and I felt sad. December 21st was the most depressing day because there was so little light. So little joy in a single year. As I listened to other members and saw their attitude of gratitude, I started the practice myself. I came to a place where I could appreciate all the long days after March 21st until September 21st. Half the year had to held something to look forward to. I started to live in the solution rather than the problem. I continued going to meetings and learned from those who had come before me. I suddenly realized that 364 days <laughs> contained more light than winter solstice. I could be grateful for this. I became aware of how much gratitude contributed to my serenity. I began to celebrate the shortest day of the year because this too would pass. Any day on this side of the dirt was a good one. Thanks to the experience, strength, and hope of those who have traveled the path before me, I shifted from a scarcity-based mentality to one of prosperity just for today. Thanks, Scotty. And uh, we heard from Charlie and Emily uh, with uh, direct responses to the episode. Uh, You want to read Charlie's?
3: Sure. Um, Spencer, this show is a game changer. Absolutely fantastic. Also loved the feisty, witty, and clearly wise co-host. I hope to hear this dynamic duo again in a future podcast. Well done, Charlie.
2: Turns out it was apparently my higher powers will that that uh, Rachel agreed to do the show. Um, I asked her at just the right moment when her sponsor had said told her to answer yes to any (laughs) program-based requests that weekend. (laughs) Um, and I'm uh, glad I did, yeah. and I'm glad she came, and, and hopefully she is, too. Uh,
3: uh, then we and also d- have an email from Emily. Yeah. Um, hey, Spencer, I just wanted to drop you a quick email to say that the podcast this week was exactly what I needed to hear. I've been having a really hard time at work the past month or so due to some of the issues you guys discussed in the Attitudes podcast. I had a particularly hard day yesterday because of an interaction with one of my bosses. I know he was actually stressed about something completely unrelated to my project, but he took it out on me. I allowed it to completely derail my attitude for the day. I love my job, and I really enjoy my coworkers most of the time. But right now is a super busy time with some really stressful deadlines. That seems to bring out the worst in people, especially me. I need to remember this too shall pass. And I also need to work on my angle of approach, focusing on the solution rather than the problem. That is my goal for today. This morning, listening to your podcast was a breath of fresh air, reminding me that I need to practice these principles at work in my relationships there, just like I need to practice the principles everywhere else I come into contact with other people. I think the podcast just made me feel like I was not alone, that other program people struggle at work with the same sort of things that I do. As always, thanks for all you do. Emily. P.S. Jimmy Buffett Reminds Me of Summer. Great song choice. P.P.S. Loved hearing you on Recovered. So glad Mark has incorporated Alanon voices so frequently. It's awesome to have two solid podcasts every week.
2: And, and thank you, Emily. And, and um, I can uh, totally relate to the uh, what you were saying here. Um, super busy time with some stressful deadlines. Yeah, <laughs> totally relate to that. We got uh, an email from Erin in Canada. She says, I just wanted to send you guys a note to say thank you very much for reaching out to the world in this way. I have only been to a couple of Al-Anon meetings, and that was a couple of years ago. I recently discovered your podcast, and I'm slowly building myself up to trying the meetings again. In the meantime, your conversations are a daily salve, and I always feel calmer and more confident after living to them. What is especially reassuring is that you... All come at the program from different backgrounds, and you really exemplify the ability of the program to stretch to fit individual circumstances, belief systems, and mindsets. For those of us who are still living with active alcoholism in our home, sometimes very active, it is so valuable to have your podcast available anytime, anywhere. I listen to One a Day. Once again, thank you so much for your generous sharing. It helps more than you can know. Kudos. E from Canada. One a Day. Wow. I'm... I hope you don't mind repetition because I certainly can't make one a day. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: yes, thank you, Aaron. When I was talking to Ruth and and this has come up a couple of times in in our conversations, she really wants to try to put together an anon themed podcast in German because mm. um she says you know there's a lot of people in Al-Anon whose English is really not good enough for uh, to follow our podcast. And you know, she wants to um, help out her community. So, uh, at the at the end of our conversation, uh, Ruth made this offer:
0: if somebody from Germany is listening, maybe um, he or she can get in contact with me through you. Sure, because uh, okay. maybe somebody else would like to also think of making a German podcast.
2: So, uh, you out there listening to the podcast? If you're in Germany or a German speaker, um, we can put you in touch with Ruth if you're interested in, in helping her uh, realize this ambition of creating a podcast, because it is a it is a fair amount of – it is a commitment. I'm not going to say it's a fair amount of work, but it is a commitment. And uh, uh, those of us uh, – we all have busy lives, most of us, and, and having help really makes a difference. Oh, I did want to mention – I think I mentioned this last week um, – the – uh, recovered podcast, which is at recoveredcast.com, that's Recovered is the name of the podcast, has been doing a series over the last several weeks on the seven deadly sins. And they talked about greed and pride and anger. And I was there for sloth. Um, so check them out, because you may find these, uh, the seven deadly sins, so-called, as a useful way of um, grouping or finding your character defects, it's a useful way of doing an inventory. That's why he's doing it, and it's just fun because um, <laughs> we all get to talk about, you know, oh how I'm slothful or <laughs> where my anger comes out or uh, you know my pride, my greed. So uh, yeah, check out Recovered Cast. It's a, it's a good show. Um, doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show, but we do have expenses, which are running about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Harriet did. We've also put together a list of recovery related books. And if you buy one of these books through Amazon, um, we get a commission. It's not huge, but it really helps. And you just click on the books link at the top of any of the web pages and uh, you know, actually, if you click on one of those links and look at the book and then you go buy some other stuff, or I think we have a, just a, a search Amazon link at the bottom of the page, um, we get a commission on anything you buy from Amazon after you click the link. So go buy yourself, you know, a new iPad or, a, you know, a car or something like that uh, and and help out the recovery show. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. So this last song, um, I, I put this last song in because it uh, it comes from my youth, my not completely misspent youth and because the title relates to tradition three and it's only the title really um this is welcome to the machine so you know welcome right by pig floyd